The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rocker. I will not wear the mask. 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 I will not wear a mask. I will not get the vaccine. I will not get the vaccine. And I will not get the vaccine. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. In the Lord, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust, and I will not be afraid. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day. For the Lord is the great God, and the great King above Rise all. up, O judge of the earth. Render punishment to the proud. Lord, how long will the wicked, how long will the wicked chime? Righteousness and justice are the foundation of this I hate the work of those who fall away. With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I have said, mercy shall be built up forever. Your faithfulness you shall stand. On an instrument of ten strings, on the lute and on the harp, with harmonious sound. For you, O Lord, have made me glad through your works. I will you, triumph in the works of your are on high forevermore. For behold, your enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. I will defy tyrants. 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 And good day, America. Welcome Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people. All the boat rockers are now saying anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio where we use the Bible and the Constitution not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S.-occupied state of South Carolina. The editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and for Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns you about to hold to the book, the Bible, as the authoritative word of God. Glad that you guys have joined us this morning. If you'd like to check us out online, please do so, SonsOfLibertyRadio.com, and also SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, excuse me, if in fact, if you want to watch the video portion of the radio show, that's right, you can see the face that's made for radio, head over to sonsoflibertymedia.com, and there's two videos at the top of the screen. The one on the left side of the screen is Bradley's show from yesterday, if you've not seen that, and you want to catch it before we change it out uh, th- at 3 o'clock this afternoon, you can do so. You just go there and click the play button, and you're good to go. On the right side is where we're at. <clears throat> Excuse me, i got something in my throat here this morning. On the right side is where we're at. Just click on the play button, blow it up on whatever device you've got, and then click on the Rumble icon in the bottom right-hand corner. Join us in the chat on Rumble. We are streaming live to Rumble uh, at Sons of Liberty Radio 
Live. That is the channel there. Please subscribe. Uh, help us grow that channel. Uh, it's it's obviously doing a lot better than YouTube was, uh, at least for the moment. We'll, we'll see what happens. <clears throat> and I don't know what to think about the new numbers uh, because I was questioning the old numbers, and now they're like exponential. And I got my own thoughts about that with being a publicly traded company now. But that's I, I, I don't know if they're real or not. I, I just I don't know. But nevertheless, I'm not really concerned with the numbers that much, uh, except for if they're misrepresenting something. But it's always good to have people in there, uh, as well as in the other chats on the other channels we have, which, by the way, we're on beforeitsnews.com, top of the page there, dlive.tv at the Sons of Liberty, a uh, number of Facebook pages that bear my name, and then also um, Twitch at the Real Tim Brown, and if you're on Twitter, the Real Tim Brow. Leave the N off, put a two in its place, and you're good to go. The Real Tim Brow too, over there on Twitter. And happy to have you, all you guys with us there. Also, if you'd like to sign up for a newsletter that goes out once a night, uh, you can do so, sonsoflibertymedia.com. That's right up under where we're streaming live. And if you want our ministry email, sonsoflibertyradio.com. Front page there, you can sign up for that. That's once a week. It comes out on Saturday. tells you what we're doing in the ministry. If you want to help us, you agree with our message, you want to support us in that, there's a donate button at the top of sonsoflibertymedia.com. Click on that and make a one-time donation or partner with us monthly as a son or daughter of liberty. And again, we appreciate you guys for everything that you do for us to keep us out there. Indeed, we are partnering in the ministry, the work of the ministry. So thank you very much uh, in what you support here at the Sons of Liberty. Okay, i got a couple of things before we get to the main topic today. <clears throat> I... um. You know, there's there's a there's a chick out there. I forget the name, uh, but anyway, she she was saying something like, "Oh, you know, we need to uh, kind of come together and forgive and forget about all this COVID tyranny that's been going." She didn't call it that, of course. Uh, she was one who was bad mouthing those who were warning about the shots. Uh, she was bad mouthing people about uh, masking, not social distancing. Um, you know, taking up for the establishment, murderers and criminals. Uh, especially those in the crime syndicate in D.C. and such. And now she wants everybody to forgive and forget. How many of you remember all of the videos I showed of people being beaten by the Gestapo, whether they're here, whether they're or confronted with, at least confronted with them here, uh, out in California in front of Ga Gavin Newsom's place? Uh, <clears throat> all those cops, full armor and everything else out there among the people. By the way, that ought to tell you people out there in California, you need to arm yourselves, not just with weapons. You need to be armored up too. Battle's coming. It's it's not going to be just with words. Just so everybody's clear, you're not going to stop tyrants with words. And you're not going to stop them with a vote, those of you going out on Tuesday. You're not going to stop them with a vote. You're going to have to be vigilant. I think that's what one of the founding fathers said that was a good quote. Liberty requires eternal vigilance. Not just keyboard warriors. Not just, uh, what was the thing that uh, Flynn put out? Uh, electronic warriors or some kind of soldiers. I forget what it was. Cyber soldiers. Nah, that's a part. That may be a part. I'm not denying that. It's going to take more than that. <clears throat> You're going to have to deal with them. So why I push for a grand jury, and I push for a constitutional militia in your county, in your not your state, not the federal government, in your county. 
Okay, your love begins at home and it begins right around there in your community and, and how you're demonstrating that. So this is just one of many things, but you've seen the beatings, you've seen the mockings, you've seen the attacks. Remember the people who went into the Trader Joe's out there in California and, and the people were running them, they were just bad-mouthing them and doing all this stuff? Yep, Berkeley too. You remember all of the stuff that's gone over the past almost three years. You remember the guys coming in with the horses up in Canada and trampling the protesters, injuring you know elderly people and stuff. No regard for their life at all. And they weren't harming, they weren't shooting bullets, they weren't throwing rocks, they weren't defacing property or any. In fact, they were out there, they had been cleaning up the streets that the government was supposed to clean up. What they had been entrusted to, it's not really government's job to clean up your streets. It's our, it's our job to make sure that those things are done. This is just one of many uh, incidences where this lady, and I, again, I forget her name. I thought I had saved the, uh, the particular article. <clears throat> Excuse me. Oh, Emily Oster. Emily Oster proposes a pandemic amnesty, suggests we need to forgive one another for what we did and said when we were in the dark about COVID. Listen, a lot of us were not in the dark. We were in the light and we were spreading the light and people like Emily Oster refused to come to the light lest her evil deeds be exposed, as the scripture says. And same thing with Fauci, same thing with Trump, same thing with Biden, same thing with Burks and all the rest of them and all the bought and paid for pimps in our rep, in our representative government. All of the governors who got behind it at some level, even my own governor, who's a Republican, Oster, O-S-T-E-R. Sorry about that, Tex. <laughs> Emily Oster. I'll have the uh, I'll have the article up. Uh, let me see if I can pull it up real quick. Just this was one that was put out. This is by the second guy, second smartest guy in the world. <laughs> uh, I'm hoping he's saying that tongue in cheek. But anyway, <clears throat> this is the article that he had there, and he gives quotes from her. Um, so I was torn today as to whether or not I was going to talk about this or was going to talk about the subject we're going to talk about. Anyway, Emily Oster. She, no, Emily. Here's the thing. When these people recognize what they did. They confess it and they leave their positions of power and they give real signs of repentance, then, then we'll forgive them. But there's still going to be consequences for, for what they did. Because it wasn't like they said, nah, 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 and stuck their tongue at us and, you know, like some first grader or something. No, they destroyed businesses. They helped to break up families. They... Uh, pushed the fear-mongering to new heights. It resulted in people with now physical injuries, families without loved ones anymore because they took these deadly shots. Nope, there's not a forgive and forget, honey. There ain't, there ain't no forgive and forget. Sorry. That's not how it works. There's, there's, there's got to be some level of repentance there. Okay? I know everybody wants to just watch it over. And we're going to talk about some of this because this is coming out of the modern church here today. The modern <clears throat> U.S. church, I should say. I don't think this is so prevalent in other churches uh, around the world. But before we get to all that, you see this news? CDC's V-Safe program 
did not bother to track a list of 15 conditions that the CDC's V-Safe protocol identified as adverse events of special interests. Now, this comes from Del Bigtree over the high wire, but he goes through the documents to show you they weren't tracking it. Then I ask you, what good is the CDC? This is just more evidence that the CDC should be abolished. It should not be funded with our money. It should have no say-so in the policies of our government or our lives. The people should be rounded up that run that work at the CDC. They should all be indicted for their crimes against the people. They should be given due process, and if they're found guilty, they don't get three hots and a cot. They get a dirt nap. That's what they get. Because what they have been involved in, and you say, well, you're just picking everybody. No, I'm not picking everybody at random. I'm picking everybody who is either knowingly or an accomplice to murder. We're not talking about just injuries, folks. We're talking about murders, deaths. They knew what was going on. The FDA wanted to hide it from you for 85 years or 75 years. And a judge said, what? No. You got eight months to produce hundreds of thousands of pages of uh, studies that were done before it was released on the public. And they knew in the first month, they knew in the first month it was killing people. Now, when it was beagles, they stopped it at a few of them. When it was other animals, they stopped it at a few of them. And I'm going to tell you, during this time, I have reevaluated what I was taught about animal testing. I see nowhere, you know, the Bible says that a, a man shows compassion for his beasts, right? He's not out there testing on them and killing them and injuring them. That's not what he does. Oh, Tim, they're mice. See the way they're trying to get us to think? They're just mice. They're creatures that God made. Why are we responding and saying, oh, you're good for testing? See, when you start down that road, eventually you get to the one that they want you to, th to not think about, which is the human animal. That's what, that's what they call us, human animal. We're not an animal. We're made in the image of God, our creator. We're completely different from the animal kingdom. How many of you know any animal, rodent, insect, or anything else that's written a symphony? that's presented an actual idea, that's written a book, that's produced a film, a radio show for that matter. None. None. Yet we have been seduced into thinking that is okay. It's not okay. It's not. And why are we doing it? <clears throat> I'll tell you why. Because we're engaged in sorcery. We're engaged in sorcery. That's what we're engaged in. Plain and simple. We're not engaged in calling upon the God of creation to show us into creation what we can use to bring healing to ourselves and calling upon him, the maker of all things. No, no. We're interested in the white coat priests and their holy mantras of whatever they're going to prescribe. But here's the CDC, another, another indication <clears throat> of why we should not have the CDC why we should bring justice upon the heads of those in the CDC. Yep, I'm saying it. We should bring justice upon them. And for those of you out there like right-wing watching other people, don't take my words out of context. I said give them due process, but there's enough evidence to convict them. There's no question. 
Here's another one that came out yesterday. SonsLibertyMedia.com. Best-selling author Julie Powell. I have no idea who she was, but she's a best-selling author. I looked over a little bit, watched a couple of things she said. She wished death on anti-vaxxers and anti-maskers. There's that word again we talked about yesterday with Annie. It is a biblical word, by the way, at least in the English. She died suddenly. 49 years old, this chick was. Here's one of her tweets. Now, it was in response to this person called Manjula Ray, which I assume is probably like a tranny or drag queen or something because uh, her Twitter handle is Queer Bengali. And I should say he. I don't know. At this point, I don't know. The picture's so small, I can't really tell. It looks like a woman, but who, who knows? COVID never kills the right people. Our rapey justice will be just fine. Real tragedy. And Julie Powell responds. Now, this is October 1st of last year. Last year. She said, I would argue that COVID does kill some of the right people. The anti-vaxxers, maskers are dying in legions. Wonder how that's working out for old Julie now. No offense to her family. I, mine is not, you know, God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. I don't either. I really don't. I think it is a sad thing that people have been deceived and they're deceiving others. I think it is tremendously sad. But here she is. This was a year ago. Okay? October the 1st. So on October 25th of this year, she tweeted that she had a black hairy tongue. So I woke up with something that's literally black hairy tongue. People, including my doctor, seem to think it's no big deal and will go away soon, but it certainly is gross. I, yeah, I would say it's, it is. I would say it is. And of course, come to find out, some people have written that black hairy tongue, uh, this is Matt Novak, I've got a link uh, to him in the article here, said, you know, it's this is a common thing that happens. I, I don't know anybody with black hairy tongues. I, I, I don't know. But I did read another portion where black hairy tongue talked about dead skin cells on your tongue. I've never heard of such a thing, but apparently it's a thing. I don't know. Here's the report. It's just a short report on her death. Check it out. Julie Powell, the best-selling author whose story was chronicled in the big screen in Julie and Julia, has died. Powell's husband, Eric Powell, says uh, she died from cardiac arrest last Wednesday at her home in New York. She wrote about her efforts to prepare every recipe in Julia Child's book, Mastering the Art of French Cooking. Powell's book was turned into the 2009 film, Julie and Julia, directed by Nora Ephron, with Meryl Streep playing Julia Child and Amy Adams playing Powell. Julie Powell was 49. All right. So she had cardiac arrest. Okay. So this is what they're going to focus on. Now, you remember they've come out and they've talked about uh, sudden adult death syndrome. Okay. Here's what was out t uh, yesterday. I, I just happened to see it this morning. <clears throat> Julie Powell's cause of death explained. Okay. Now, look at where they go. Just, just look. It's, they give basically the same thing you just heard in that little report. It says, cardiac arrest, however, occurs when the heart's electrical system, which regulates your heartbeat and stops the heart from functioning according to Mayo Clinic, uh, the chambers of the heart fail, blah, 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 and they go down through here, and then they go, unfortunately, as many as 450,000 people in the United States die each year of cardiac arrest. I'm kind of curious if that number's up. I really am. I, I'm, I'm curious if that's up. This is according to the NIH. 
Caffeine and other drugs also can also elicit cardiac arrest. No mention of the shot, which we know and which has been documented in their own documents from Pfizer and from AstraZeneca and from Johnson & Johnson and from Moderna, that these things cause cardiac arrest. These shots, these experimental shots. No mention of that. I guess maybe they would cover themselves where well, we said other drugs, but they don't mention it and they don't put a, a preeminence on it in the fact that what these people act, the reporters, oh my goodness, they act like that the, the shots aren't going on. What is causing all this? Why, why are the people having cardiac arrests? They profess themselves wise, but they are fools. They are showing themselves as fools for what they're doing. They really are. Julie Powell, you know, and to her husband, if she's got children, I don't know. Condolences, but you know what? Learn from what learn from this foolishness of not seeing what they're doing to you and to your children. I I, I, when I saw the story, it's, I mean, it saddens me that somebody would have been so hardened to think that those who were warning them about the deadliness of these shots, the mask mandates, the tyranny that comes with all of it, that they would have wanted us dead. It really does, <clears throat> because I don't understand the mindset. I did a thing jokingly. It was it was tongue in cheek. It was not meant to be because anybody who knows me knows I don't. I have no evil intent towards somebody to for them to die or anything like that. I just don't have it. But I had a thing up, you know, one time where where all these people were doing their mass mandates and all this kind of stuff, and uh, I don't I, I forget what it was. Uh, back in the car over but it was tongue in cheek it wasn't even meant to be and maybe I shouldn't even put it up but I was so frustrated with hearing these people and having these these uh, looks cuz even here in rural south carolina at one time like a year or so ago it, people were in masks now nobody wears them and if you see somebody wearing them you go like what is wrong with you i mean i guess the other people were ready to get rid of it but you still got it on nobody else has it anyway that's that's what's going on. All right, so I want to hit a couple of things here. I told Bradley yesterday, I you know he was kind of stealing my thunder, but we we don't we didn't we don't talk about our shows uh, as far as what we're going to talk about or anything. But I told him I I read a different thing other than what he was on yesterday, and I think he brought up the article that I was going to do because I, I put it out on the Rumble channel. This is a sodomite dressed up like a woman in some church. It looks Roman Catholic to me, but I don't know. Priest has got this, he's a guy and he's got pink and purple. You know what I think about guys that wear pink and purple? You can't trust them. He's got like this pink robe with a purple thing going down the front. Um, you can see the communion table in the back with the big gold cross. And they got two little girls. I assume they're little girls. I I don't even know now what they're. I, I don't even. I don't know. And then this Miss Pentecost, which is a guy. He's been 
sought for ordination in the Methodist Church. And listen to the degeneracy of what's said here. I mean, if you have even an inkling of biblical knowledge, you'll pick up on this right away as far as what's what's going on. Listen. Do either of you have any questions for Miss Pentecost? Oh, thank you. I like your eyeshadow. <laughs> you like her eyeshadow. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe she'll let you borrow it. When you're older, like when you're allowed this. to wear it's makeup. It's a he. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Well, one of the things I think is great about Miss Pentecost is she reminds us that we, we follow a God who calls you us follow to not God. conform to things of this world. Yeah. Uh, that we're supposed to be transformed by the renewal That's of our true. minds. And that means that what I think today may have to change tomorrow if I continue to renew my mind. And it's so cool that we serve a God that calls us to continue to grow and continue to, According to change to his word. something new uh, and to not be bound by the ways that the world confines us sometimes, that, that we're supposed to live differently. Okay, we are. There are things he's saying that's true, but what he's trying to do is he's trying to match those things that are according to our, the renewing of our mind is to be taking place according to what God has said, not according to whatever he feels like. We're not to be driven by every wind of doctrine. And what this, what this, I'll bet this guy who's, who's got the robe on here, I'll bet he's queer as a $3 bill too. And what he's trying to do is he's saying, it's okay, I have to rethink my thinking that a man can dress as a woman. Well, let me ask you there, uh, whatever you call yourself, I, I don't know what he, what he refers to himself. Well, what do you do with God's command? Deuteronomy 22, 5. The woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man, neither shall a man put on a woman's garment, for all that do so are abomination unto the Lord thy God. Not you're sinning, you're breaking the... You're an abomination. You're, that, the word means disgusting. You're an abomination to the Lord. How about renewing your mind towards that, bro? But no, because he's a wimpy, panty-waisted, unregenerate child of the devil... He's going to say, well, I need to renew my mind to think of this guy over here as beautiful and a woman. I even call her her. And I bring little kids in and say, you need to renew your mind too and share eyeshadow and makeup ideas with this man. Wearing what's pertaining to a woman, which the God who gave us the scriptures says is an abomination before him. Is that what the text says? No, that's not what the text says. In fact, I, I brought up several passages, and I, I meant to bring this one up just so we can take a look at it. You guys know how I'm a stickler over the context issue. Um, Romans chapter 12, and I'll go back to where I was in just a minute. Romans chapter 12, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. Now, what's he talking about? The mercies that's been shown to us in Jesus Christ. Yes, though we were sinners, maybe some were, and he tells in Corinthians, some were like this guy who plays Miss Pentecost. Pentecost. See, they had one, one lady, or they had one guy, they confuse me sometimes, they had one guy that was named Annie 
Christ, A-N-N-I-E, Christ, one of these trannies. I'm sure, look, there were people within the Corinthian church who had come out of that kind of stuff, because Paul says there were. They had been sodomites. Many of them had been prostitutes inside the temple, men dressing as women, trying to appear as women, women trying to appear as men. That's what he addresses in 1 Corinthians 11. You people who want to jump at me over long hair, look at what it's saying. There was gender bending going on in the first century, guys. That's not anything new. And I'll bet it was going on when God said you don't do that. It was probably going on among the Canaanites, too. Nothing new has happened. And so he says, I beseech you by the mercies of God that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. It's not what you're willing to die for. It's what you're willing to live for. You follow that? A lot of people talk big and bad. There's songs that are written about how we'll give our lives for you. All this romanticism. And when it comes down to those people singing those kind of songs and saying those kind of phrases, the first ones to flee. We're to be those who live. We're to be living sacrifices, denying ourselves, right? Taking up our cross, as Jesus said. Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. What's the reasonable service? Because of what God has done for you in Christ, right? If Christ has given his life for you, if that's what he's done, if you've embraced that, if you've been born again, your life is not your own anymore. It is his. And your reasonable service is to live it for him. And be not conformed to this world. Well, my goodness, if you're doing the opposite of what God said, you're a man dressing up as a woman, are you not conforming yourself to the world and not according to God? Hmm. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, the guy used all these phrases that were right. The phrase was right, but like the devil, he leaves out the most important parts. That ye may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Let me ask you something. According to Deuteronomy that we read just a minute ago, uh, is Miss Pentecost good, acceptable, is he engaging in the perfect will of God? Nope. For I say through the grace given unto me that to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, accordingly, according as God hath dealt to each man the measure of faith. For we are members of one body, and all members have not the same office. And he goes on and he talks about differing gifts that are in there. But the fact of the matter is, what is the renewing of our mind supposed to be about? It is supposed to be so we understand what God has communicated to us so that we live by his commands, by his word. That, that's the renewing of the mind. The renewing of the mind is not to go the way of the world. As these two degenerates are doing, and then teaching little kids, oh my goodness, I wish either one of these would hear this and then hear the words of Jesus who says, if you cause one of these little ones to stumble, it's better if you take a, a millstone, wrap it around your neck and throw yourself in the sea. And both of these people we just watched should do that before they speak another word about their degeneracy. Oh, Tim, you just hate gay people. You hate queer people. You hate faggots. You hate sodomites. Whatever, whatever you're calling them. No, I don't hate them. Right now, I'm trying to love on them by saying, either repent or do what Jesus said about yourself. 
Don't cause the little ones to stumble because you're so depraved you can't pull yourself out of the mire. My goodness. Here was a, a report. This is by Ellie Gardy at the American Spectre. Spectator, excuse me. She references, and, and I actually read this before I saw the little video that we saw there. This guy, Isaac Simmons, that's his name. Miss Pentecost is Isaac Simmons. And he regularly preaches dressed as a drag queen under the name Miss Pentecost as a candidate for ordination in the United Methodist Church. Okay, So last year this, this, was, uh, this was accepted by the Methodist Church for ordination. And his preaching is obviously preaching another gospel. Okay, It really is. It's preaching a total other gospel. But listen to what she said. I can't play the video. There's about a five or six minute video. The link is in this article. So I'll have the link to this article in the archive today. Just look for the same title as what our video is, and you should find it there. Um, I, it was like a five minute video, and he's not in drag. He's looks like himself, very effeminate in his behavior. Um, basically says, well, he, he doesn't basically say, he says, God is nothing. The Bible is nothing. Religion is nothing. Then why are you in a church preaching? Whatever you're preaching. Queerness. The holiness of queerness, I think, is something that, that gets out here. It's like, yeah, you're set apart, all right? You're set apart for destruction. Read Romans 9. God has vessels of wrath set apart for destruction. Ugh. So he puts forth this poem, and that's what the video is about. And because of the expletives, and I can't beep them out, um, I'm not going to play it. If you want to watch it, you're an adult, you control all that, okay? He says, God must be effing nothing if her boundaryless, transubstantiated bodies of color are run down, beaten, and strewn in the streets of America instead of ruling the runways of life. And he says, if God was this, she would be walking down the runways at Paris. I, I, it was everything I could do to get through it. It really was everything I could do to get through it. This, this, this reporter says, he speaks of God not as a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, uh, but... Rather, the source of queerness, describing himself as nothing but a drag queen with a microphone of biblical effing proportions. Nothing but if she were, she would be, yes, queening her way down the runways of Paris and Montreal. And nothing but if she were, she would be a seamstress of divide culture, weaving together string theory and self-portraits for to form the fiercest gowns of queer existence. You see how distorted and twisted, and this is being allowed in the Methodist Church, by the way. It's being look. This stuff is being allowed in the Presbyterian Church, the Baptist Church, the the the, the Catholic churches, the in the Catholics. The Catholic Church is apostate. It was it's been apostate for uh, hundreds of years, no question about it. But now we're seeing it in the in the mainstream Protestant churches. I'm not surprised because a lot of the mainstream Protestant churches are no longer Protestant. They're no longer uh, children of the Reformation, holding to the true gospel. They hold to the false gospel of Rome about their free will. 
And yes, go read the Roman Catechism. They talk a lot about your free will. Oh yeah. How you can do what pleases God. You got to work with God. Yeah, baby. That's what they talk about, and that's what they promote. The will of man, which John chapter 1 says, the will of man does you nothing. It doesn't birth you into the kingdom. Okay? It doesn't do that. God does that. You don't do it any more than you chose your own birth or your own parents. God does that. He believes humanity then is an emanation of the divine queerness. Quote, from under a shroud of secrecy came the beauty of humanity. humanity it wasn't secret. God spoke. He spoke out loud. Oh my goodness. Humanity made in the gender bending, and there was no gender bending, by the way. He made them male and female in his image, right? Genesis chapter 1. Identity-breaking, system-shaking image of God, the Imago Deo. He refers to humanity as God's queerly anointed creation. Hmm. Blasphemous. I just... Dude has severed his conscience. Simmons writes that the poem is directed to those who actively and passively cause harm against the LGBTQIA 2S plus. What in the world? Now we're doing numbers too. So now I got to change my intro. LGBTQRSTUVWXYZ, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 people plus. Community due to their understandings of Scripture. Well, Simmons has no understanding of Scripture. He twists it to his own destruction is what he's doing, and he's leading people after it. He's leading people into hell. I mean, he's leading them right into the judgment of God. That's what I refer to hell as. The judgment of God. It is the, it is the wrath of God in full measure poured out on unrepentant men and women. So, Simmons said he has received hateful comments as a result of the conservative backlash. A group is trying to get his name removed from the list of candidates certified for ordination in the Methodist Church. Uh, the Institute on Religion and Democracy, which advocates for conservative theology and mainline Protestant churches, reported on his approval for ordination, generating wider attention. Well, good for the Institute on Religion and Democracy. Good for you guys for at least calling it out. Thank you. He takes his poem and he goes on a little further. He describes drag as a spiritual experience that allows him to connect with God. Which God? It's not the God of the Bible. It's not Yahweh. It's not his son, Jesus Christ. Drag allows me to process the mystery of, of mystery, the mystery of God, the mystery of love, the mystery of pain, he said. When I walk the streets in six-inch hills and wear four pounds of hair, double-stacked wigs, you ever seen any of these people? They got to be some of the ugliest bunch of people, but yet they think they're pretty. The power which lies within my mystery is released into the world. When I paint my face, meditating upon those who came before me, my spiritual ancestors, I can reach into a deeper part of my soul. Yeah, it's deep, dark, black, and hardened. And you need a heart transplant, dude. You need a heart transplant. And that only comes by somebody pointing out your sin, your, your abominations that you're engaged in, and calling you to repent of it. It's not hateful. It's not hateful when my kids are doing things that I know are going to cause them 
uh, trouble in the future. It's not hateful when my kids are doing things that I know are against the law of God and I don't speak against it and discipline them and correct them. That's love. That's love, man. That's real love. Hate is what we just saw in the video where the guy's kind of propping you up there as an alleged man of God. He's propping your sin up and your abominations. That's hate for you. That's not love. He loves himself. That's why he won't speak out against your abomination. Frankly, I, get, I gain nothing from, from saying any of this. I, I gain nothing from this. I don't have any authority over anybody in this audience. I, I have none. I have no ability to do anything to anybody. I'm certainly not here for the money. <laughs> because, uh, well, I, I'm not. But Simmons goes on and he says, Drags allows, Drag allows me not only to celebrate the divine surety that dwells within me, it allows me to show others how to celebrate it themselves. This is not divine. This is wickedness. It's wickedness. There is holy liberation. And I love how this writer writes it. They contrast, and I don't know if they're a believer or not, okay? But here's what they do. They say, in this theology, baptism and repentance are replaced by coming out of the closet. Simmons says, there is holy liberation occurring when folks feel they can release the mysterious secret shrouded by society. There is holiness in queerness. Again, holiness means to be set apart. And there certainly is being set apart, but it's not a holiness that God speaks about. This guy is being set apart for destruction. Now, I find this incredible because we had Kerry, uh, we had Kerry Gordon uh, on. And he's a guy... Who, was, who had enemies within the church. He's bringing out the stuff about Al Mohler and Southern Seminary and what, what was going on. Remember the guy? He was a homosexual. He was a sodomite. And he came out and he, he said, yes, there's hope for people in this. And Mohler had backed off of some of his more stronger statements he said years ago. Okay? So, Mohler says that the Methodist Church's decision to make Simmons a certified candidate for... And by the way, Mueller was pushing the shots, too. We were talking about the first. Quote, an intentional refutation and revolt against the very order of creation that God has given us. Well, aren't you capitulating, Al? I'd love to have Al Mueller on the show. Don't get a response from them about that, though, but love to have him on the show. Aren't, aren't you capitulating from what you used to say about this? About the issue of sodomy? I think you are. And then what's going on in your 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 seminary there with people who are who are challenging your new stance, your new woke stance that you've got. And a direct violation of the clear teaching of the scripture concerning the fact that those whom God has made as men should identify as men. This is an open revolt, he said, and of course you're going to see a division between those who are appalled by it, deeply troubled by it, deeply concerned by it, and opposed to it on the one hand, and those who celebrate it and say it's arrived. Far too late on the other hand. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Salt saying, you know, yeah, we should pray for them. Let me tell you something. Go to the scriptures. When you have somebody who is preaching, they are taking that authority, you call them out publicly. 
for their error. This is so egregious. It's like the guy who's messing around with his daddy's wife in 1 Corinthians. And Paul doesn't say you go to this guy and do this. No, you're puffed up. You think that the grace of God is a license to sin. The next time you come together, you kick this guy out and you turn him over to Satan so that his flesh would be destroyed, that his soul might be saved. Now, there's action for this too. This is done out in the open. This is not a private sin, this, and not that that makes it any better. This is not a private sin. This is not something that happened between two people. This is happening out in the open. Not just in the church. This is out into the world. And it must be called out. And it must be pointed out. And there must be a call to repentance. So this takes me to... a to several passages, I hope I'm going to get through this. If I don't get through it, we'll go over just a little bit. 1 Samuel chapter 4. You remember Eli, right? My youngest son is named Eli. Well, we call him Eli. He's Elijah. And, um, but Eli was the priest, right? And, and Eli was there when Hannah begged the Lord for a son. She didn't have one. And she begged the Lord in tears for a son. And Eli thought she was drunk and like, What's going on with you, lady? It's, you know, I want a sign. May it be done unto you, right? She goes back home. She gets pregnant. She has a son. His name is Samuel. Twelve years old. She takes little Samuel. She's made him his, his linen outfit and all that. And she gives him back to the Lord to serve in the temple under Eli. Samuel's the one who hears the voice of God, doesn't know it's the voice of God. Eli picks up on it. Samuel begins to... Or the Bible says that Samuel didn't let the let a word of God fall to the ground. Isn't that something? Stop and think about that for a second. He held on to the words of God. Now his sons didn't do such a good job, but he did. And Samuel came in First Samuel chapter four, and he speaks to Eli. Or actually, he came before that, but he speaks to Eli about his sons, Hophni Phineas. Why? Because they're taking God's portion of the sacrifice for themselves and they're laying with the women at the doors of the temple. This is you talking about a perverted bunch of guys. They're engaged in sexual intercourse with the women at the door of the temple. I mean, and Eli knows it and he's not stopping his sons. He's not saying, hey, you're doing this is evil. This is wicked and getting either stopping them from being there as priests or doing some kind of discipline to them at all. He's not doing it. And so Samuel gets a word from the Lord that, you know, he's his sons. God has determined he wants to kill your sons. Now, I don't know about you. That is a frightening statement. I remember the first time I read that, I had to go back and read it a couple of times because I felt almost this surreal experience in the fact that what does it say that God desires to kill your sons? That's a frightening thing to me. So what we read about in 1 Samuel chapter 4 is this. The, the, the Philistines are fighting the the Israelites, and they take the Ark of God. Now, what is the Ark of the Covenant? 
Well, it is the Ark of the Covenant. The Covenant is inside uh, the, 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 the Ark that's been built along with the Staff of Moses. Or, yeah, and then the, um, uh, the, the manna, a jar of manna that's in there. The Covenant is in there. This is the covenant, the Ten Commandments. That's what's laying in there. It was taken, and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were slain. We read this in verse 11. Then in verse 12 it says, And there ran a man of Benjamin out of the army and came to Shiloh the same day with his clothes rent and with the earth upon his head. And when he came, lo, Eli sat upon a seat by the wayside, watching for his heart trembled for the ark of God. And when the men came into the city and told it, all the city cried out. And when Eli heard the noise of the crying, he said, What meaneth the noise of this tumult? And the man came in hastily and told Eli, and Eli was ninety and eight years old, and his eyes were dim that he could not see. And the man said unto Eli, I am he that came out of the army, and I fled today out of the army. And he said, What is there done, my son? And the messenger answered and said, Israel has fled before the Philistines, and there hath been also a great slaughter among the people, and thy two sons also, Hophni and Phinehas, are dead, and the ark of God is taken." Now, notice what happens next because it kind of shows you where Eli's mind is. It came to pass when he made mention of the ark of God, not his sons, but the ark of God, that he fell from off the seat backward by the side of the gate and his neck break and he died. For he is an old man and heavy and he had judged Israel 40 years. So, Hophni and Phinehas were killed in battle. God desired to kill them. Read, I think it's 1 Samuel chapter 3, and you'll see that. Eli hears about the taking of the Ark of God, falls off backwards, breaks his neck, and dies. And his daughter-in-law, Phinehas' wife, was with child, near to be delivered. And when she heard the tidings that the Ark of God had been taken, not that her husband was killed, her, her cheating husband, that her father-in-law and her husband were dead. She bowed herself and travailed. Well, she did, she did think, hear about that too. For her pains came upon her. And about the time of her death, the women that stood by her said unto her, Fear not, for thou hast born a son. But she answered not, neither did she regard it. And she named the child Ichabod. Now, I don't know about you, but as a kid, I grew up, thinking Ichabod was this guy, you know, from the Sleepy Hollow Tale, right? Ichabod Crane. You don't hear a lot of people named that, just like you don't hear people named uh, Judas, for obvious reasons. And what does Ichabod mean? Well, in the text it says, saying, The glory is departed from Israel because the ark of God was taken, because the ark of God represented the presence of God and because of her father-in-law and her husband. And she said, The glory is departed from Israel, for the ark of God is taken. Let me just show you this. This is where we, we see the term Ichabod used, no glory, or you go back to the root and you find it means inglorious. There's no glory here. Okay? Now listen to what Matthew Henry has to say about this little passage here. He said, the wife of Phineas seems to have been a person of piety. Her dying regret was for the loss of the ark and the departure of the glory from Israel. 
What is any earthly joy to her that feels herself dying? No joy but that which is spiritual and divine will stand in any stead then. Death is too serious a thing to admit the relish of any earthly joy. What is it to one that is lamenting the loss of the ark? What pleasure can we take in our creature comforts and enjoyments if we want God's word and ordinances, especially if we want the comfort of his gracious presence and the light of his countenance? If God go, the glory goes and all good goes. Amen. That's exactly what it does. Woe unto us if he depart. But though the glory is withdrawn from one sinful nation, city, or village after another, yet it shall never depart altogether, but shines forth in one place when eclipsed in another. The video that I showed at the beginning, this Isaac Simmons, the penny-waisted priest guy, whatever he's doing, the glory of God's departed from there. There is no glory of God there. It's the glory of man. It's the indulgence of the creature comforts and enjoyments. The And I'm not saying all creature comforts are worldly. I'm not saying that. But it's, it's this idea of the worldliness that they have embraced. So much that they've taken Scripture, stood it on its head, and said, we have to renew our minds to accept trannies, which the Bible says is an abomination. Let me give another instance here. Because um, we're running out of time. i got like a, about a minute left. So we're going to go over just a little bit. If you want to pick up on the rest of this, sonsoflibertymedia.com, beforeitsnews.com, top of the page there, or some of the other outlets that I mentioned at the beginning. What's happening today, and I say the modern church, because here's the thing. The real church still exists here in the United States, just as much as it does everywhere else in the world. Jesus said, my church will what? The gates of hell aren't going to prevail against it. Yeah, sorry, guys. You're wanting to destroy the church, the true church? You may destroy the modern church, but you won't destroy the true church. Because Jesus said so. You won't prevail against the people of God. You won't. And why? Is it because the people of God are so great people? Nope. It's because we got a great God. A righteous king. Right? One who has promised us these things. And you won't prevail against us. But the modern church, well, let me close out here. You guys join us over on sonsoflibertymedia.com. And I don't know why my time cuts off a little early, you guys, on Red State Talk Radio. But join us on sonsoflibertymedia.com. We'll pick you up there. Bradley will be with you at 3, and then we'll be back in the morning, bright and early. Talk to you then, Lord willing, 6 a.m. Adios. Okay, want to welcome everybody coming over from Red State Talk Radio, and I know you guys are still hearing me for about another 10 seconds, but want to welcome you guys coming over to SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, top of the page, right video. Let's go to Romans chapter 1, because what I hear in the video that we, we had and what I saw in this poem that's done by this guy, Isaac, um, is, is, is so contrary to Scripture. I, I, I almost didn't know where to begin. I'm like, it's, this is all over the place. But I wanted you to get that. How many of you guys are in churches? Maybe they don't have trannies there. But you're, you're in churches where the glory of God has departed. The word of God is not faithfully preached. The, 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 the practice of the word of God is not sought after. 
There's not a constant reforming and conforming to the image of Christ. Yeah, those those happen too, even without having trannies in there or sodomites or lesbians or any of that stuff. I mean, my goodness, the glory had departed from Israel due to a couple of guys who were messing around in the temple and the Ark of the Covenant being taken. If it's done with that, you don't think it's done with other things that happened? Yeah, it is. So Romans 1. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. What is the gospel of Christ? Jesus was born in the fullness of time, born under the law. Kept that law perfectly in his life, in his mind, in his heart, in all of his strength. Obeyed the Father to the point the Father said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Nobody else he said that to. Lived it perfectly on our behalf. That is, the, that is referred to as the active obedience of Christ. He lived it on behalf of his people. He was, he was like Adam, our federal head. Only he was a second Adam, as Paul says. Our first father, Adam, whom we all come from, we're all in, in the line of, fell, and in him all his seed fell. That's why Jesus had to be born of a virgin without the help of a male. And no, God did not go have sex with Eve, Eve, Mary. Some people want to say that because he says, well, it came upon her, it came into her. Yeah, that's not what goes on. How does the Spirit do that? I'm just curious. He doesn't. If you go read the rest of Scripture, it talks about God made a body for him, for the Christ. Made a body for him. And he indwelt that body here. He, that was his humility. And he lived perfectly before the Lord on behalf of his people. Perfect. That's how we can have a righteousness not our own. Because... If we're all honest with ourselves, when we get alone, we get quiet, and everything's turned off, and we're lying in bed and all, our conscience will point the finger at our sin, won't it? It'll point the finger at where we're not on the straight and narrow. Mm -hmm. That's what it does. That's what the Spirit of God does for us. He convicts men of sin, righteousness, and judgment to come. So, Paul says... This gospel is Christ doing these things and a call for men to repent of their sin. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth and unrighteousness, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it to them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so they are without excuse. Listen, even a person who does not hear the gospel has enough within creation to know that they are accountable to the God of creation. It's not enough to save them. It's enough to condemn them. That's why it's important that we be useful tools in God's hands and not be afraid to communicate the gospel. But do you know why? I really believe that the reason many people don't share the gospel, there's, there's two reasons. One is they're really not regenerate. They were like I was. 
You were told to walk the aisle. You were told to say a prayer after somebody. You were told to get baptized. You were told to, I don't know, uh, do all kinds of things, pass out all this literature, uh, you, you know, um, attend church, pick your thing. You were to do it. This is where the free will kind of concept came in, which Martin Luther shot down, and he said, this is the whole hinge on which the Reformation turns. If you have this free will, then we can make all kinds of things that you can do, which is what Rome did. Go here, do that, pay this, say this, lie this way, wear the brown scapular, put whatever. It's all dependent upon you. It's not dependent upon God. It's not dependent upon the work of Christ. Friends, I'm going to tell you, if I'm, if I'm dependent upon goodness, I am hopelessly lost. My goodness, I'm hopelessly lost. I, I, even today, I, I'm hopelessly lost. That's not saying God doesn't teach me a trajectory of my life to be sinning less. Don't get me wrong. But the point is, is that, oh my goodness. So we finish up here with Paul in Romans chapter 1. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his internal power and Godhead, hmm, so that they're without excuse. Do you know I had the, the guy my dad served under, my dad served as an associate pastor in a town called Belmont, North Carolina, called Catawba Heights, many years ago when I was a kid. And the pastor there, uh, Max Pendleton, he told me about, or he he was telling about going over um, into a third world country, like a village or something that was there. And here's what he did. He, he went in and he met this guy and he started presenting the gospel to him. And the guy said, I knew there was a God. And I, this blew me away. I knew that he had a son who came to save me, but I've been waiting for somebody to tell me about it because I didn't know who he was. Now that blew me away. I'd never heard such a thing. And he's not one for telling tales. There were other people there that would confirm the matter, but I just thought that was interesting. Here's a man who'd never heard the gospel, and yet he could distinguish there's a father and there's a son within the Godhead. Paul goes on and he says, Because that would, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations. Mm, did that sound like what we, what we read from uh, Isaac Simmons? What was going on in that little video? Yep, it sure does. And their foolish heart was darkened, professing themselves to be wise. Oh yeah, we're wise. We need to renew our minds. We don't need to be of the world, even though we're projecting the world out of every fiber of our being. And change the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man. They mentioned the Magodeo, the image of God, right? Corruptible man to birds, four-footed beasts, and creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. Listen, you don't think these trannies... Are sodomites. Really? You don't think that? There's people out there? You must be out of your mind. You don't think they're after these little kids doing what they're doing? They're not doing that for money. They might be getting money, and they might be happy to do that. 
Now, they're grooming these kids because they know one day these kids are going to be adults. And look, I grant, many of these people have been abused themselves. The question is, what did they do with the abuse? Some people repent. Some people go on to be predators themselves. If you haven't seen my interview with uh, Deanna Lynn, what a great testimony. Like One of my all-time favorites, probably in the top five interviews that I did, first one I did with her was in the porn industry, talked about how you know she was brought up or her mom had started showing her porn at four or five years old and she thought this is what a woman's supposed to be. And so she thought you know, when she's 18, 19, 20 years old and she's uh, doing lingerie modeling and working at Hooters and um, then being in, in some of these things that this was what a woman's supposed to be. This was how she was appreciated and adored and all this other. Until they started drugging her out and using her for prostitution. And she was scared for her life. And then God changed her that to this day, if you met her, you would never guess this woman was engaged in what she had. Kind of like a, a modern day Mary Magdalene. I mean, it's a tremendous glory to God in that. But look at what he says. They dishonor their own bodies between themselves. They change the truth of God into a lie. Is that not what we just heard at the first? Yes. They took the truth of God and they transformed it into a lie. The creator who, excuse me, and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator. These people lust after other men. They're like the Sodomites in Sodom trying to get to angels that they perceive as men. And what do the angels do? They blind them and the only thing that does is make it more difficult for them to try to find the door. They have such lust burning inside them. Serve the creature more than the creator who's blessed forever. Amen. And he goes on and he talks about God giving them over to vile affections. Listen to me. If you're engaged in what this guy Isaac Simmons engaged in, if you're engaged in sodomy, because he's specifically going to name these things, okay? If you're engaged in sodomy or lesbianism, listen to what he says. He's not saying you are loved by God. In fact... He's saying the direct opposite of that. Listen to what the scripture actually says. I didn't write it, okay? Says it to me too. For this cause, God gave them up. He gave them up to. He gave them over to these vile affections. Doesn't say he loved them. He gave them up. For even their women did exchange the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust one toward another. Men with men working that which is unseemly. Oh my goodness, we shouldn't even be talking about some of this stuff. We really shouldn't. Our children shouldn't be seeing it either. And receiving in themselves the recompense of their error which was meat. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind that's a worthless, useless mind to do those things which are not convenient. And he goes on, he lists other things too. It's not just the sodomies. He, he lists out being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death. This is New Testament, guys. You're worthy of death for doing these things. Not only do the same, 
but have pleasure in them that do them. How many people do you know, as far as you know, they're not engaged in sodomy, they're not engaged in lesbianism, but boy, they pat those people and oh, I'm not going to make a judgment. You know, we talked about this earlier in the week. They're not going to make a moral judgment, much less uh, hand it over for a judicial judgment. You're just as bad. This is what he says. Who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do the same. So Ichabod. The glory has departed. It's now inglorious within churches. God's presence is not there in many churches at all. At all. Dead churches. They try to make it look alive with their singing and their music. and But the word of God is far from the place, let alone the true gospel that saves men from their sin. The Christ is not exalted to his place of kingship. And men are not put in their place as sinners whom God is angry with every day, the wicked. And they're called to repent. The law of God is not held up to show them their sin because God forbid we talk about people's sin. Much less calling them from it. You say, well, that was back there in the Old Testament, man. Yeah, well, what about the New Testament? Let, let me show you how the glory departed from Israel in the New Testament. Okay, Again, this goes back to a passage we've covered many times. Matthew 23. Remember, Jesus is teaching the people. And um, he starts presenting all these woes to the scribes and Pharisees. What are you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites? For you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for you neither go in yourselves, neither suffer ye them that are entering to go in. Then he says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you devour widows' houses for a pretense. Make long prayer. Therefore ye shall receive the greater damnation. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you compass sea and land to make one proselyte, and when he is made, you make him twofold more the child of hell than yourselves. Come be one of us. We're children of the devil. I know we call ourselves children of Abraham, but... Woe to you, ye blind guides, which say, Whoever, Whosoever shall swear by the temple, it is nothing. But whosoever shall swear by the gold of the temple, he is a debtor. Ye fools and blind, for whether is greater the gold or the temple that sanctifieth the gold. And whosoever shall swear by the altar, it is nothing. But whosoever sweareth by the gift that is upon it, he is guilty. You can see, these guys are like used car salesmen when it comes to words. Well, I didn't really say it was going to break down on you. What I said was, nah. I didn't swear by the gift of the altar. You can't hold it to me. Right? It's that kind of talk. Whoso therefore shall swear by the altar, sweareth by it, and by all things thereon. And whoso shall swear by the, excuse me, uh, and he that shall swear by heaven, sweareth by the throne of God, and by him that sitteth thereon. And he's already told them, don't do that stuff. You can't change one hair of your head, right? Don't swear by the hairs of your head, heaven, earth, anything. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin. In other words, you pick down the smallest seeds, and that's what your tithe is. But you've omitted the weightier matters of the law, 
This is New Testament, guys. This is Jesus speaking. The law, some people don't like hearing about law, but there it is. Weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought ye to have done and not to leave the other undone. Ye blind guides, ye strain at a gnat and swallow a camel. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye make clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within they're fill, full of extortion and, excuse, and excess. Thou blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. Hmm. Any of you guys wash any dishes and you don't wash the, in, the, the middle of the plate or the inside of the glass or the cup? You just wash the outside. Any anybody do that? No. These guys were cleaning up themselves on the outside, but boy, their breath stank because inside they were full of dead men's bones. And he says, "You need to clean the inside. You need a you need a good house cleaning there, bro." Then he goes on. He says this, verse twenty-eight. Even so ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within ye are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because ye build the tombs of the prophets and garnish the sepulchres of the righteous and say, if we had been in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. And yet they're ready to kill the Son of God, the vine dresser's son, the heir. They're ready to kill him. And they do know who he is, by the way. They're not blind as to who Jesus is. They know. Wherefore, ye be witnesses unto yourselves that ye are the children of them which killed the prophets. Fill ye up then the measure of your fathers, ye serpents, ye generation of vipers. How can ye escape the damnation of hell? Wherefore, behold, I send unto you prophets and wise men and scribes, and some of them ye shall kill and crucify, and some of them shall ye scourge in your synagogues and persecute them from the city from city to city, that upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth from the blood of righteous Abel unto the blood of Zechariah, of son of Berechias, whom you slew between the temple and the altar. And by the way, there was a guy who made a comment um, in in one of the rumble uh, videos that we have. So, you know, there wasn't a Bible when Jesus was around and this, that, and the other. And he goes down this nice thing. Dude, you don't know what you're talking about. And the law existed when Jesus was around, by the way. It existed for 1,500 years before Jesus was around. And the, law, and the prophets were there too. But here's what Jesus says here. The blood of righteous and Zacharias. Jesus is putting the bookends of the Old Testament. That's what goes in the Old Testament. They knew what the Old Testament was. They had it put up in the temple. There's no question about what was in the Old Testament. And he laid it out. Genesis towards Zacharias is killed. And he says the blood is going to be required of you. You say you you wouldn't, but you would have. You would have been right with your fathers. Because you're one of them. You're one of the children of the devil. And then he says this. Verily I say unto you, all these things shall come upon this generation. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. And he's talking, when he uses Jerusalem, Jerusalem, he's talking about these guys, the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sanhedrin, the people who are in, the, the religious leaders who are in political authority there. That's Jerusalem. And pay attention to how he uses the words. Thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee. How often I would have gathered, does he say you? Nope. 
He says, I would have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. Jesus wanted to bring his people to himself, and these hypocrites were standing in the way. Now, could Jesus have just knocked them out of the way? Yep, could have, but he didn't. And watch what he says. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. You could read into there, and I'm not trying to put words in God's mouth. Your house is left desolate, and we read, he says, For you, for I say unto you, you shall not see me henceforth, till you shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. And as we go into Matthew chapter 24, and we get the first one, he says, And Jesus went out and departed from the temple. You could say, the glory has departed. There. First century Israel. The glory has departed. Your house is desolate. What has it become in America where you can have what God calls an abomination put into a pulpit? Ordained. That means set apart. The, the, what, what, the ordination is perfectly biblical. The presbytery lays hands upon, that's the term that's used there in, from Paul to Timothy. He says, you know, stir up that gift when the presbytery laid hands upon you, when they set you apart, when they, for, for the work of ministry, for the gospel. Stir that gift up. Now they're looking to take a man that's a sodomite, number one, which is an abomination, and dresses as a woman, which is an abomination as well, and they want to make him out to be the man of God. The glory has departed. The glory has departed. And the people are unaware. Oh, God just loves us. I hear it all. God's just blessing us and blessing us. Anybody looking around? Now, for the believer, we do see that all things work together for good for those of us who have been called according to his purpose, right? We've been loved by God. His love has been demonstrated in the death of his son. But here again, the glory has departed. Do you sense the glory's departed? Or are you still living as though nothing's changed? Which one are you? I, I can't speak for you. But the glory's departed. Now, what is the remedy to that? Well, the remedy is, is that we turn from our sin. We actually do what Romans 12 talks about. We have our mind renewed. And that can only come, first and foremost, if God does a work in our heart. Now, let me tell you something. If he does a work in your heart, you don't have any power or authority to undo that work. You don't. God is the author and the finisher of our faith. He who began a good work in you, right? Isn't that what Scripture says? He who began a good work into you will not complete it. 
Is that what it says? See, this is where I have a problem with people who say, well, you know, if, if you have this going on or whatever, and, you, and even if you're repentant, well, I'm, I'm not so sure that you're... I used to go to a, a, a junior high school. It was a free will Baptist church. You can guess what kind of theology they had. And even as an unbeliever, I'd been taught, wait a minute, there's something wrong with that. But I remember them going into, into Peter and other places and saying, oh, see, this means if you sin, then you can lose your salvation. That is Romanism. That is Romanism. They want to baptize your baby because they think there's regeneration that takes place and they have God's grace. And then if you commit a mortal sin, well, then you got to, you got to you know, go through the process of penance and all this other stuff. The rituals, the ceremonies. The free will Baptist theology is very Romanesque. Very Romanesque. It's synergistic too. That means you and God are working together to save yourself. But the biblical gospel says you are poor, blind, and naked. You're a wretched sinner, and you're in need of a Savior. And that Savior has to do it all for you, or you're left to do it for yourself. In that case, you're not going to save squat. God must be the doer. He must be the power. It is His gospel that comes and saves men from their sin because it speaks of a perfect, righteous, holy, just, loving Savior who gave himself on behalf of sinners that they might be reconciled back into God. That's the message. I kind of hope that if somebody knows Isaac Simmons, maybe they'll share it with him. I don't, you know... What he's doing and engaged in is an abomination. To me, it seems like he's severed his conscience with some of the things he said. And maybe that's the case. Maybe it's the fact that God has said, I'm done with you. You know, you're, it's not showing you mercy. It's not showing you love. Maybe it's a thing where he's on death row and he's just being fed to fatten him up for the day of execution. I don't know. But maybe... For some, there's hope in this message. At least I hope there's hope. Otherwise, I wouldn't give it. There would be no need to give the message. There's no need to call out sin if you're not going to present the hope of Christ in it. No need at all. Guys, have a great day. Um, think on these things. Where is the glory of God departed from us? And let's cry out to Him for Him to return. You know, that's one of the things in one of those songs I play. I think that's... In my mind, that's what I hear. That may not be what they mean, but that's what I hear when they call for God to come back home. It's not that God has, is not omnipresent. It's that we don't sense his presence where we are. And boy, we need that as the people of God. Have a great day. Uh, Bradley be with you at 3 o'clock p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central, sonsoflibertymedia.com. And then we'll be back with you in the morning. Lord willing, 6 a.m. Talk to you then. See you.